live from Iceland, Michigan. This is pre-market prep. Starting out in the green this morning, quiet range yesterday. UAL helping out with some good earnings. Some other not-so-good earnings as well. We'll bring in Red Dog, Scott Redler. Hope he's feeling well at 8.35. And it's just the turn in China. Well, it's already faded from the highs. It's Tuesday. Let's get things started. Free Market Prep coming live. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Right, a uh, nice or a tidy nine-point range overnight. We're in the green four and a half handles. The IWM doing a lot better than that. Uh, the buck maintaining this rally, holding 103, up 14 cents at 103 and a quarter. Bonds down just over half a point, 120 and five thirty seconds. Crude in the red, 86 cents, or excuse me, 66 cents at 7410. Both gold and silver in the green. Uh, gold by 620 at 2028.40. Silver in the mid 22 handle up 15 cents at 22.45. And we talk about crowded trades. Can you all guess when the ETFs came out in Bitcoin? You can look at that chart and see it's been a straight down move since that. Let's bring in Triple D. Triple D, you're getting some cuts and bruises this morning, but yeah. as always, you're prepared for battle. Uh, prepared for battle. Definitely some cuts and bruises here this morning on the wrong side of a few stocks here, but that goes with trading. I mean, that's how the trading is. You're not going to win on every single trade. Not going to lose on every single trade. Sometimes you have more losers than winners. Sometimes more winners than losers. All depends on the day. Uh, but you keep grinding it out. That's what you do as traders here. So we're grinding today, Joel. It's a grinding type of day. You got to get green. I'm going to talk to you at 9.50 and you're going to say, you know what? I am not- be green at 9.50. I might be green later on today, but it's not going to be at the open here. I'll tell you that much. Unless we have a drastic change of opening here, this is going to be an interesting open. But a few stocks murdering me, but, you know, that happens. Aaron, how you feeling, buddy? How you doing? We're feeling a lot <clears throat> We're feeling a lot better this morning, Joel. As you can tell, the voice is still coming back, but everything else... Uh, good to go. Good to be back on. Good morning to everyone out there joining us today. Uh, not a lot this morning in terms of economic data, but we do have a lot of companies reporting earnings this week. Joel, uh, let's start with some of the more, I guess, let's get the bad news out of the way first. 3M, Triple M, down big. Probably, probably, probably down bigger than Triple M is probably down more than Triple D right now, but it's uh, around 7%. Uh, getting crushed right now. Uh, I mean, this one, Triple M has just had so much lawsuit worries over the past few years. Uh, EPS came in at 935 versus 982 estimate. Um, and non-gap EPS beat. But hey, look, traders are still selling this off this morning. I don't know how you can be buying 3M here. Uh, we were talking about it before. D- Dennis basically made the point. Look, if you don't have if you don't have an AI story, traders don't want it right now. 
Yeah. I mean, this is where we're at is like certain stocks are getting a pass. But for the most part, this is AI. The dips, if you're looking at like what dips are getting bought and people are like, oh, I'm all over the Boeing dip. You know, well, that continued to dip. I'm all over, you know, the Archer Daniels Midland, great company, you know, $58 was down to 52. The dips continue here. I mean, it seems like the dips that are getting bought are on the technology stocks. And if they're not technology stocks and they're dipping, they're just forgotten and not cared about whatsoever. So you got to be careful with which dips you're buying. Example, let's go to Microchip here. They come out four days ago and, and warn. And the stock was trading down under $80 in the pre-market. I actually think it got down to about $77 or $78 after hours on that warning. Never even came close to those levels. So you won't see that on the chart because in the regular session, we opened up at 84, went down to 81.72, and then we bounced. Now we look at it, it's up $7 from where it gave the earnings warning here. So four days ago. So they come out, they warn, and it doesn't even matter because they got the AI story attached to it. And people are just so hungry for anything AI that when you get the dip on a potential AI stock, microchip, they're all over it. All right, let's look at the triple M. I mean, I said, I looked at the ADM yesterday. That was a little bit different because you had the CEO getting booting, accounting issues. I mean, things that you definitely don't want to have on your plate when you own a stock. The triple M trading down in the pre-market. They beat lower guidance here. Huh, I'd maybe attempt to buy the dip if I was short here. Look at that $100 level. You hit 100 twice in December. Haven't seen there. So see if you can hold above the pre-market low. The pre-market low is uh, just under that. At 99.80 is a pre-market low. Did that twice on the 15-minute bracket. Um, optionality, the straddle probably was not that huge in it. So you can look at the price of that straddle and find that as theoretical support uh, for something like ADM. You got blown out of the water yesterday on that. Uh, if you, No way, or I can't say no way, but the bottom of yesterday's range, that's going to be resistance for so, quite some time at 107.40. Yeah, and I mentioned the lawsuits with this company, and people have been talking about that as one of the big ne negative catalysts. Of course, the earplug, you know, multi-billion dollar lawsuit for 3M. But it's starting to look like on the chart that there's some other things going on, too, besides just this lawsuit, that there might, you know, just be some more growth, overall growth concerns for the company. But uh, speaking we, of growth... We've talked about the lawsuit, the earplug lawsuit here, and I would argue that 3M would be a hundred dollars higher if it wasn't for this lawsuit ab that's how big it is this lawsuit is still an unknown when they think they're going to settle it that one day they thought they're going to settle it pop 10 percent on the news and then yep. you know it's not settled until they can get clarity on whether this is going to get settled or not settled i mean some people have said this company's going to be bankrupt that they actually can't even you know if the judge you know comes and and you know rules you know as much as they did in that single case there which obviously they fought um the company wouldn't have the money to do it so, I mean, it's significant. This definitely is holding the stock back. But then the other thing we're talking about, what's the AI story in 3M? What's the cool story that makes me have to go buy 3M today? You know, what is it? I don't know. I don't think there is one. So that's why this is not the dips you're looking for, as Yoda would put. Well, yeah, 3M with the growth concerns. Speaking of growth concerns, China. 
has been, you know, one of the big stories so far, 2024, a lot of economic uncertainty there. Uh, really, all the big Chinese names have just been getting crushed to start the year, not participating in the rally whatsoever, whether you're looking at Baidu, JD, Baba, you name it. Uh, overnight, China announced a stock market rescue package, uh, 200 and about $40 billion. You saw a pop on some of these Chinese names when it was announced. But as you mentioned, Joel, that pop is starting to fade already. And I always, you know, I mean, the news is one thing. The package, I'll have to go through and, and see exactly what it'll mean for the Chinese stock market. But I'm more concerned with the reaction than the actual news itself. And the reaction is telling you that, hey, uh, you know, some investors might have been excited about it right when it's announced. But it's not like the catalyst that's going to drive these stocks up five plus percent today. Uh, what are we seeing? And that's what everybody thought last night. I mean, Twitter was just littered with all these people who have been trying to buy the bottom in the FXI for months unsuccessfully. And they're coming out saying, this is it. You know, now the stock, now China's behind. China's been trying to prop up their markets here for a while. Nothing has worked over there. So we get the overnight rally. Hang Seng's up 3 or 4% last night. Obviously not up nearly as much now because we can look at the FXI trading up only 2% here. And this rally is already starting to fizzle to a certain extent. Alibaba's trading up. You know, obviously, it's the first one you think about. Up 2.99%. It's a nice debt. Is there value here? Yeah, there's value. We've talked about that before. Take away the geopolitical risk, and I would be overweight China right now. But I own zero China stocks. I don't, can't quantify that geopolitical risk. So I just stay away, greener pastures somewhere else. Baba... I don't know. Like, part of me wants to buy it here because this is just ridiculously low valuation for Alibaba. But then, you know, it was ridiculously low at 90 and 80. And now it's 68, now bouncing to 70 here today. It's like the stock is so hated that, and obviously the geopolitical risk is the reason, that it's just cannot continue a bid. It gets one bid for one day. Sellers come in. Bag holders come in. There's so many bag holders here. Is it a crowded short? I don't think that many people are short these China stocks. I think there's just people just not interested in them. So we come right back to with the geopolitical risk, people aren't interested. And, you know, is there an AI story? Yeah, maybe on some of these names, maybe Pinduo Duo, maybe there is. But I just think, again, it's been so much easier elsewhere. Why try to be a hero and call the bottom in China? Compliments of Bloomberg here uh, showing their market rescue steps failed to reverse the slide in 2015. Uh, that's when the Chinese Securities Finance Corp spent uh, 1.5 trillion won buying stocks. So I don't know how that equates to the size of this package, but you can see what happened. Uh, uh, you know, over the course of time uh, with the Chinese markets. Uh, the thing, to, and, I, and I mentioned this to Dennis. I mean, wh where's this money coming from? When I when I see this kind of news, I'm like, well, where's the money? The money's coming from somewhere, right? Is it coming out of the U.S. equity markets? No, doesn't look like that. Is it maybe coming out of our bond market? I don't know. Or are they just going into the till and just printing some more? So, well, well, well uh, yeah, but again, we we can talk. But China is in a completely different situation than north america you know they've got a pile of money over there communist country so where does it come from they have so much money joel the chinese government if they want to come in and support their markets and start dumping money into the markets here they have so much money where we got 35 trillion in debt they got a sir you know they, they're, they're not sitting here and with all this debt hanging over them 
I mean, and that's the communist way is like, you know, obviously you're, 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 you know, basically robbing from your citizens to build government wealth. Well, the government is very, very, very wealthy over there. So can they get behind their markets with $278 billion? That's the equivalent of the 2 trillion won. I mean, that's a drop in the bucket for Xi and China and the Chinese government. So if China decides to come in here and start propping up their markets and buying their stocks, it could be the bottom. It could be the bottom. I just been fooled so many times. I'm like, do I want to take the chance that you know this time it's different? Well, I don't know. Well, um, I wouldn't I guess... be short any of this, though. I'm not. It's not Holy like macro, yeah, Baba's is... up. Let's short. And we're popping here again. Here, Baba's. Baba got news right now. We're <laughs> yeah. popping right now. There's more news happening here right now. So yeah, I'm pulling up. Baba. I'm pulling up Baba and Benzinga Pro to find some news. But yeah, I would say that would just be kind of like my like the the Baba devil... just popped two bucks. Holy right cow! Now. It's up five percent right now. Something um, happened with Bob. Yeah, I, they 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 heard us talking about it. Uh, no, but, maybe. Um, it could be know. the bottom, and all of a sudden the algos go nuts. <laughs> you know, I think the, Dennis I, Dick said it could be the bottom. I think the flip side. I think like if you. I were, also said I wouldn't invest in it. I think if you were bullish. <laughs> If you were bullish or wanted to get bullish these Chinese names, or maybe you had bought these stocks recently, that is, I guess, what you know. My argument would be would just be that a lot of the um, fears have been, you know, cheese government is anti. I've got the news too on Baba. Just to interrupt you, Aaron. Yeah, go ahead. The news is uh, being reported here from. I'm trying to grab where it's from. I don't even know where it's from. But the news is that Jack Ma has been buying shares of Alibaba. New York Times, I believe, reporting this. Wow. New York Times reporting that Jack Ma has been buying more shares in Alibaba in recent months. So that is your news for Alibaba just breaking here. I believe it's the New York Times. I don't I didn't go look at the New York Times, but that's what they're talking about. Um so I believe it's New York Times. So he's allowed to go to a payphone from where he's at and then make a phone call to his broker. You're from jail? <laughs> he's not in jail jack ma is not only alive folks here's the news and eyeball he's not only alive he's actually buying more shares in alibaba so the algos are going absolutely bizarre Holy cow, just yeah. rally three more dollars here right now only live on benzinga's pre-market prep do you give me these kind of moves here we started talking about this thing two minutes ago at 70 oh my gosh it's 73 dollars again i was not bullish i, just, I was just I, I saying just, the I just... facts that I'm not shorting. I'm not staying away. I'm, I'm, or I'm not. I'm just staying away. Not touching it. I'm even scared to day trade these things because it just seems like the overnight news. You just don't know how it is. But Alibaba, big pop here. Jack Ma, hot for his stock. Yeah, I mean, you know, go ahead, Aaron. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I was just gonna say. I mean, the move right now you're seeing is crazy. And that, my point earlier is, I was gonna say people. U.S. investors have been talking about how anti, you know, business, the government of China is and all this. But when you see a move like this, like the stock market rescue package, that makes me think, OK, maybe she's starting to see some of the economic turmoil in China from some of the policies and starting to kind of walk that back. You saw that last year at one point when him and Biden were talking and people were like, oh, maybe they're you know starting to get a little bit more business friendly here. So maybe that could be some sort of catalyst in the long term. People just saying, OK, the stock market package. They're doing some things to try to help their companies. Not sure if it's going to work. Clearly, it didn't look like it was working. But now that you got Jack Ma, Jack Ma buying and the $270 billion coming in at the same time, you should be getting a pop there. So uh, Baba, again, is getting that pop now at $73.50. This is as good a news as he can get. China propping up their stocks and Jack Ma buying Alibaba's right. stock. Right. I mean, it should be up significantly here, and it is. The question is, can it hold? 
bag holder central that is alibaba and there's no stock that's more bag holder central out there because we've been in a rip roaring bull market and this stock made a new 52 week low yesterday not even new 52 week low multi-year low here you're like well actually 2022 got lower got down to 58 bucks but i mean value is there jack ma thinks value is there dennis dick thinks value is there <laughs> but i stay awake because i don't understand the geopolitical risk the only reason if there was no uh, geopolitical risk Alibaba would maybe be the biggest position in my long-term portfolio, but I cannot quantify that risk, so therefore I don't touch it. Do you think that the New York Times algorithm tapped into Benzinga's pre-market prep show, and then when we started to talk about Baba, let it go. Let this news go. Yeah, I mean, it probably wasn't even like a real person. It was like an algo. (laughs) that like picked it up and uh when we were talking and i was just gonna say i don't know if anybody's trading this stock from the long side but um i did notice a, a pair of highs here uh a splitting to 73 uh 30 area so i wish i would have gotten that out there if you're looking for a short-term trade because there was a pair of highs in that area just from the 11th and 12th and then uh the, that next high is 74 but i don't even know if you're going to get another look at that 7350 area but uh, it, it can it, well and it's going to be choppy today so it can go anywhere this news is just digesting cnbc hasn't even reported it yet remember you often get the cnbc pop 10 minutes after the news because they report stuff 10 minutes after it happens so i haven't seen it on cnbc yet so sometimes i can get a pop there too so i i would say it's very premature to say the high is in an alibaba here yeah, we'll continue to follow that as the morning goes on. Uh, but moving on from China, we will see an, some other big earnings reports throughout the rest of the week from U.S. companies. Uh, today, after the close, good old Netflix, ticker NFLX, uh, set to report. Uh, we had some news on Netflix this morning, too, that Netflix is getting in. They've, they've teased that they're getting into the live sports, live uh, entertainment game. They announced that they did acquire the rights for WWE's Raw. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm not a huge wrestling guy, so I don't know how big of a catalyst this is. I do think live sports in general will be a big catalyst for Netflix, and I will tell you why. But I'm curious before we get into that, how big of a how big of a catalyst is WWE? There's right some now? hardcore fans. I used to be a hardcore wrestling fan when I was a kid, but then somebody told me it was fake. Just kidding. No. Um I, I, I think it's a good get. I think it's, you know, you know, this is what Netflix has to do, continue to get content. This is what they're good at is getting new content. So there is a lot of people who really enjoy watching wrestling still. And um, I think I think it's good news for Netflix. Multiple headlines here, though. Yeah. Interesting yeah. enough, Joel. Last yeah, night was reported that Netflix was losing their chief film. Yeah, he's going to here. start his own company in March. Um, but... You know, I feel like it, it with these big entertainment companies, the the studios, which now that's what Netflix is, is it's basically competing with, uh, you know, MGM Studios, all these other filmmakers out there in Hollywood. Uh, you see those executives shuffle around all the time, going from from one place to another. So I wasn't sure how huge of a catalyst that was, um, for Netflix, but trading slightly higher. I mean, a uh, one and a half percent, seven bucks coming into the morning. I mean. We haven't really seen Netflix participate as much with the rest of the tech market. Netflix is down over a percent in the last month. You compare that to the Qs. You compare that to all the chip stocks, your yeah. AMDs, your NVIDIAs. Obviously, Netflix is part of that. Netflix is a Magnificent Seven, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no. No, it's not. It never no. did. 
It's the one on deck to potentially be put in if they lose Tesla. And did you see last night Kramer officially kicking uh, Tesla out of the Magnificent Seven? He must listen to her tweets and watch her show because I kicked it out a week ago. But Kramer's coming on now and saying if they miss earnings tonight, he's kicking it out of the Magnificent Seven. So it all depends on the earnings tonight. That's I mean, so look, you got If you want to be the Magnificent Seven, you got to be magnificent. Tesla hasn't been. That's been my argument. So again, I tweeted this out a week ago that I'd be kicking Tesla out of the Magnificent Seven, but Kramer, uh, they're a week behind us there, so he's kicking it out there too. Um, Netflix, this is all noise. So this is all noise. The chief film, you know, editor or whatever it is, chief film guy leaving last night. Stock falls five bucks. Now they get the WWE deal. Stock rallies twenty bucks from those lows. Um, it's all noise ahead of it though, because what's going to matter here is the earnings tonight. Mm-hmm. They got to beat. The stock is up substantially in the last two months. You could say, oh, well, it's kind of it's been going flatline for a month, so maybe expectations aren't that high. But I think they are. And I think you, I don't really know what the AI story here is. Maybe there's an AI story eventually somehow figures it out. But I think you've got to beat. If you don't have an AI story, you got to beat your numbers. So Netflix is going to need to beat, and the subscriber numbers are going to need to be good for the stock to break out over 500. Well, they also have that, you know, the different tiers, the advertising tier. And I know that they were looking to pick up, uh, uh, you know, some um, some increased earnings from that. I, I would say that, you know, it's great news that it's up just under eight dollars here at four ninety three fifty. Uh, but you may be lamenting the fact that when it popped over $500, got the 502.96 on that news, and now you faded 10 bucks off the high. So if you won't let me say that the high of the day is in Baba, then I'm going to say the high of the day is in Netflix. Well, that's a bold call, there. too, when they have you, – you're talking the intraday high? Because they have earnings tonight, Joel. So intraday high. Be- Four o'clock, four o'clock, four o'clock. He's saying four o'clock. He closes out. Well, I don't close till eight o'clock. So the high of the day is going to be determined here <laughs> after hours on this earnings report here. Let's go to the options chain and just look at what the straddle is trading for here. So if we go to this week's expiration here, January the 26th, looking at current stock bucks. race. Well, 485 bucks. was a close. What do you think it is? 50, 60. Oh, that's a big number, Joel. I wouldn't have guessed that high, but you're not too far off. It's about forty dollars. Okay. So thirty-nine fifteen if you want the closing prices on the four eighty-five. But let's just round it, say oh, thirty-nine bucks. It's thirty-nine dollars a straddle. So what they're saying, that's that's what they believe. That's expected move is thirty-nine points up from the four eighty-five close. So that would put us up forty points to five. What's our error math here, Joel? You're good at the error math. Five twenty-five. A quarter. And then yep, the low end four forty-five. Well, you can see that low end. They're looking at the four forty-five. That's the little low on June the twelfth. Sorry, or sorry, December, December the twelfth. Um, so that that one, or is it December the sixth? December the sixth. I'm getting my dates. This platform screws me up. This one charting platform. They put the day. And then the month. I want the month and the day because I read it backwards. I'm like, who does that? You know, they need to fix this. What, what, what platform? I don't want to call them out and give them a shout out because I've been friends with the owner there for a long time and I use it. It's a smaller company there. But, okay, I know who it is. Uh, um, yeah. uh, <coughs> but you, you've seen that with Netflix in the past before where it's had these huge moves off earnings. I mean, you go back to its first report in 2022 and the stock dropped, what was that, 30%? Uh, and then it happened in consecutive quarters. If I because so if I had to pick a side, I mean, you mentioned that move is uh, it's a, a big expected move, and the options themselves are going to be really expensive, Dennis. But if I had to pick one side to play it, 
I would go the short side because I think the company would need to put out cra a crazy beat for it to go up a lot at this point now that it's already, I mean, you're talking about, you know, Netflix is up more than what, 150% from its lows like a year and a half ago. So you've already seen this huge move to the upside. Uh, and again, you've seen the stock get crushed on any sort of bad report. Uh, so again, if I had to pick a side, too expensive for me to play, too rich for my liking. But if I had to pick a side, I would be playing it to the downside, not financial. Yeah. So then you're less looking at the twenty dollars if you're buying puts. Obviously, if you're not playing it both ways, you're looking at twenty bucks. A so four sixty five would be your break even at the four. Well, that was at the close, four ninety three now. So obviously, the options market is not open yet, so we can't give you adjusted options prices because they don't open until nine thirty. So all we can do is go off the closing print. But it's twenty bucks from where the stock is trading down. That's what they're looking on the puts. Uh, Aaron, we just talked about the straddle. I know that you're pretty active in the options markets, and I, I just wanted to make sure that when we talk about the straddle and the expected move, that you that you fully Aaron understand knows. That. Well, you can That's explain Aaron. it to our listeners, though, if you want. Aaron knows that stuff, but you can explain it to our listeners. Um, it just gives you, a te you know, theoretical support and resistance, um, you know, based on the option market makers. And I'd say they get it, they get it uh, right a lot more times than they get it wrong. So it's targets. A lot of times when those targets in either direction are exceeded, you know, the, the, the market makers come in and either have to like readjust their positions or just reinforce it. But it, it's a good tool. But at, uh, Aaron, I just want to add, you usually play the options outright correct you yeah like, you i don't know, i don't i don't, I don't like okay. i don't like doing a lot of spread strangles because again the way i trade options i do it more just for fun and i'm like oh if i think this company's gonna beat and go way up i want to buy calls i don't want to get in my way of my profits by you know then hedging it um but yeah i mean w like when netflix reported and i forget the exact quarter but i mean when it was down 30 percent obviously that was you know more than double the expected move so if you were holding puts you make so much money but then after that report then they start pricing in, okay, then the expected move for the stock is going to be even higher. This is proven to be volatile after reports. So then the next time coming around, those options are going to be even more expensive. So I, a lot of times on earnings, try to find stocks that people aren't expecting the big moves in, as opposed to the ones where, again, already that big move is, is priced in. And again, because just those contracts are so pricey. That if you're already, if you're wrong going into earnings on options, you're going to get crushed. But if, but if you're buying the expensive ones and you're wrong and you're only playing one side, then you're getting crushed, crushed bad. You it, know? So. it is very, very difficult to make money in the long run buying options. You know, it's a lot more money being made selling options. My buddy uh -huh. Chris has been an option seller for the better part of a decade. Just a net option seller every single month and slowly brings in premium. And he gets killed every once in a while. That's the one thing when you're a net option seller. You're basically selling insurance to the market. And every once in a while, that insurance pays off. So you better have enough money in your account to take those drawdowns. But overall, option sellers' accounts typically just go up, 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 make like 95% of the time. Then they have a big drawdown. Then it's up, 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 and then it's a drawdown. I mean, if you're a market maker and you're hedging and you're doing different things. But if you're just selling options and saying, you're not a hedger, you're just selling puts and calls all the time into the market here, not hedging yourself out with the stock or hedging yourself out with other options there. And, and there's lots of different ways to do it. Overall, your, your P&L will track like that, up, 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 and down. And the opposite occurs if you're a net options buyer. It's a slow deterioration, deterioration, then you get a win. And then slow deterioration, then you get a win. And slow deterioration, you get a win. And overall, though, your P&L will track down. So overall... Options premium, just the decay, 
is what eats away that strategy here. It's hard to make money being a net options buyer. Yeah, and I mean, I see Paul in the chat saying uh, AB is a gambler. I mean, I would, I mean, I would, I don't disagree with you. I, and again, what I do with my options is a completely different portfolio. I'm, I, I'm more of a long-term <laughs> investor in my portfolio. That's just something I do for fun on the side. But you know, I do it when I have, you know, theses and theories. And if you're gonna say that, then you'd be saying, you know, uh, Michael Burry was just a gambler. Which again, some people would say that. But if you have a theory, if you have, if you've got a thesis and it plays out, you know, I mean, uh, you look at the, the roaring kitty guy. I mean, he was t- gambling too in a way, but he's got a story. So I, I, I agree, but I also disagree. To a there degree. are times to be option buyers and Joel, you know, the, I, I rarely, rarely buy options, but let's take us back to COVID. And we talked about this, me and you were convinced we were watching social media and, you know, Chris Camilo, same thing. I watch social media and you can make, you know, there are, trades you can make off social media to, to get ahead of it and we knew covid was coming take us back you listen to the shows from january 2020 we're like this is coming folks this is coming we were warning you two months in advance and we bought all those puts on all the airlines all the puts on my portfolio i went out to february and i didn't go out far enough and they all the whole first tier i told yep. the story before expired worthless and i was so pissed off because i'm like this is coming and the market is just ignoring it. I'm like, how are they ignoring it? I'm like, this is going to come and just smoke the markets. So then I got ticked off and I went all the way out to June. And when I went out to June, all those options, I bought spy puts I was paying $5 for. Some of those spy puts I took off for $50. So, I mean, that that's what saved my portfolio. And I was more hedging my portfolio. I didn't want to lose a lot of money. I really anticipated big falls coming from COVID, which did happen. March was like, you know, just, you know, we, how many months do we fell 30% March of 2020, the overall market, that's gotta be, that's a crash. We crashed in March of 2020. So there are times AB when you can clearly see the market ignoring obvious risk that there are times to buy options. And we kept talking about how cheap premiums were then because the markets were at all time highs and everybody's like, oh, you know, it's COVID it's over in Asia. It's the thing. It was coming. We knew you could feel it was coming. You knew when they're spraying the air over in China that something was coming, and it was obvious. So that was a time, one of the few times that I actually went out and basically hedged the majority of my long-term portfolio by buying puts. But if you're just sitting here, going to hedge every single month buying puts, I mean, you're slowly eat away your long-term performance. The long-term performance of the market is 8% a year. And if you add up where the market's trading, you know, just do the exercise, and it's a fun exercise to do, but let's just go look out just curiosity killed the cat <coughs> sorry i'm still dying from this yeah. bloody flu day 20 here spy um let's go to the options chain and go out one year from now i'm just curious what the market makers are saying because i'm saying the long-term performance eight percent so if we go out to i'm just grabbing the options chain here oh my god there's so many options here um let's go out to january 2025 let's go one year out so january 2025 we'll go to the 480 puts because 483 well we're 484 anyways there's there's 480s and 485s there's no 483s because they're a year out so we gotta go to the 480 480 is 20 bucks 21 (laughs) dollars which is three points out of the money so you lose another three so that would be 24 points it's got to go down to break even well 24 points on 48 that's five percent so it's not as bad so if you're hedging out a full year 
it's going to cost you 5% of your gains to hedge that out. But I mean, you know, an 8% long term. So maybe you own stocks and maybe you buy puts and you pick up 3%. But then there's the risk free rate and the cost of capital. So that's all going to be included in there too. So I mean, it's just saying the long term proposition for hedging your portfolio continuously is not there. If you think there's something coming, you can time it right. You can save yourself a lot of money or potentially just make a lot of money if you're buying a lot of puts. But if you're just sitting here hedging every month, it's it eats away any long-term performance you're going to get on your long. In a time value of money was so much lower back then too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you would have had a five, (laughs) you know, five six percent cash alternative at that point, you know, maybe you know you would have. I actually, I think I went out four or five months. I mean, again, spy was only like three thirty then, so it was lower. I think I only paid five or six bucks for those puts going out that far. And I, I remember saying it on the shows. I'm like, insurance is so cheap right now. The VIX was like 12. It was so cheap back in like January of 2020. Insurance was just super cheap. And you bought puts too, Joel. Yeah. I mean, yep. you know, yeah. and, 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 uh, and those puts really helped. And, and again, you know, my long-term portfolio still got crushed, but I had puts offsetting it, which really helped in that merch. Now, what I did wrong was probably, you know, I covered the puts in, but I probably, you know, just didn't be blowing up and buying stocks. We know six months later, the markets really took off and COVID turned out. To it was, it was hard to buy stocks then. Cause I mean, you would look so at a hard. company, you look at a company to be up after the initial crash and you'd be like, well, they're not even open right now. They're, you know, it'd yeah. be like, it'd be like really a, hard. A company's, a company's factories and production would be shut down. They wouldn't be producing whatever goods they were selling. And yet their stock would be up. You'd be looking at like Dick's sporting goods. And their stores would all be closed. And then all of a sudden the stocks are up. And I guess uh, that's not a good example because people just go online and buy their stuff there. But either way, there were companies that were actually getting fundamentally hit by COVID. And yet their stocks were still going up. So it was was hard to be a buyer then, which is, you know, I think how it usually is. is The best times to buy are when it feels really bad and you're, you're not feeling great. I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, January 20 or, uh, in 2022, just when the market was getting crushed in hindsight, been best, you've been, you know, best buying NVIDIA down at, I mean, what did NVIDIA even get to? When, Under a hundred bucks, I think. AB. Like, like looking back on this, bucks. looking back on this, who wanted to own NVIDIA when it went 108, when, interest rates, 108 in 2022. when interest rates were going higher, growth was out of favor, big tech was getting crushed. And no nobody's one, talking about AI yet. No one was talking about it. Well, besides Kathy, what well, you gotta give Kathy some credit sometimes. You know, she's been talking about that that trade for a while. She just she um, just played it all wrong and bought all the wrong stocks. <laughs> Which also, you know, I was thinking about that. I I finally got around to watching the GameStop Netflix thing on Netflix. We were just talking about Netflix uh the other night. And uh the Gabe, like the Melvin guy, like looking back on it, like he was right about GameStop being overvalued. He just played it wrong. Timing, got, timing uh, wrong. Yeah, that's it. Yep. It's like you can be you can be you can be right you can be right all you want, but if you're not you know trading it the right way, it doesn't not going to help you. But either way, you know, point with Nvidia on the way down here, no one wanted to touch it, no one wanted to own it, Uh, and now of course with hindsight, looking back on it, I'd be you know you'd be begging you're never you're never going to see Nvidia down at a hundred dollars ever again. I'm I'm very confident saying that. So uh, I don't think so either. And, you know, I, I, let's bring Red Stock Dog in here. Red Dog's in the background. we got to get Red Dog in here. And we can bring in the conversation. We can start him with NVIDIA and go into this conversation here because we're going to get his thoughts too. But let's bring Red Dog in. What hey up, guys? guys? How you doing? CSO of T3 Live and T3 Trading Group. 
And uh, how are you feeling, Scott? I mean, here here we have, I, like I had a little cold a couple of weeks ago, triple D as the flu from hell. Aaron, we don't know if he's sick because he just cheered his ass off at the Lions game. But uh, <laughs> I over the weekend, man, and jumping in that ice. I mean, come on. How are you feeling? To be honest, I don't feel 100%, but I feel okay. You know, about a year and a half ago, the same thing happened to me. You know, I'm a high fever runner. You know, I had like 101. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to dress up in four sweatshirts. I'm not going to take a shot of whiskey and do the old wives' tale cocktail. I'm like, I'm going to go in my sauna, sweat out whatever is bad. I'm going to go in my ice barrel constricted. I'm going to go in my sauna again, and then I'm going to drink gallons of water, vitamin C, and this and that. And uh, I did that on Sunday. <laughs> I actually documented it. People thought I was nuts, which it's fine. I'm, I'm a little nuts. It's, I, I get it. You have to be a little nuts to be trading the market for 25 years and responding to people's Twitter and giving advice to everyone, trying to be safe and sound and keep everyone moving forward and keep positive. You know, that's why we're all a little nuts. But, you know, nutty is good, right? <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> with that said, um, you know, I didn't have temperature yesterday, and I came in. I have an open house this week. I'm like, you know what? I got to come in. Uh, I don't have temperature today. I'm feeling a little less congested. I did take some NyQuil last night, which I haven't taken any medicine. And now that, that was the worst thing I did because I woke up this morning. My eyes felt swollen because of the NyQuil. And <laughs> now I feel a little bit like myself after I just did about 40 charts and um, managing my positions and getting ready for the day. But sometimes it's, you know, a little mind over matter. When you're sick, you're sick. But, you know, there are ways to, to go about scenarios without just you know taking pills and pills and pills and pills one more minute before we go into the i just want to hear more about the ice bath like why what is the purpose of like going outside what does it do for you because you know i'm thinking about i got all kinds of ice bath i'm up here in georgian bay i could just go sit out here in the bay here drill, drill, drill a hole and jump in so i don't even need a barrel what is the That's point right. of the ice bath? I'm curious, Scott, why? Well, I've been doing it for years. I've, I've done eight marathons. I've done two Ironman. And there's always been, you know, you, you're sore. You go out on the bike for five hours. You you just swam for two hours. You ran a marathon. You know, you, you, you bring down your inflammation in your body by going into or putting ice on sore spots. You know, you go to mm. these major stadiums, you know, or major college, you know, you know campuses. They have these uh, big uh, tubs full of ice and they're sitting in there. And after a big game, and it, it's helpful. So then you also have the Russia Banya technique where they say you can clean out your system by doing hot cold three different times over a few hours and you get out all your impurities. You know, I've done a lot of reading and then, you know, I, I've done a lot of that. And then finally, all of a sudden there was an ice barrel. I was 50 years old. My, you know, there was an ice barrel on the beach. You know, my friend's like, oh, we're buying that for you for your birthday. And here we are 540 days later. I haven't missed a day. Wow. It does a lot for you. I, you know, I'm not going to get into the scientific stuff. All I do know is, you know, common sense wise. You know, with circulation, circulation is good. How do you have a heart attack? You have clogged arteries. How do you circulate? You know, in the heat, it expands and blood goes flu through. And then in the ice brow, you sit there and everything constricts, constricts, constricts. And then your body thinks it's got to fight something. And then once you're that cold, the heart pumps red blood cells everywhere to tissues that need it, circulates the blood through those arteries, clears them out. Then you sweat in the sauna. You get out your, your toxins and the last 10% of your rhea that doesn't come out through sweat or through the bathroom and boom, you're clean. So to me, it, you know, it's been working. And it's also some days it's tough. You know, some days you wake up in the market, you have positions, the futures are down. Like, oh, can't believe I have to deal with this day. Or, hey, you know, I'm short. We've been up for four days. It's a pain trade. I got to trade out of this, you know, and you don't want to deal with the day. So for me, it's a mind game where every day I'm like, all right, let, let's go in there. I don't care if it's snowing, if it's negative 10 degrees, 
whatever it is. I'm going in that and I'm going to continue to do it because it's a hard thing. We have to accomplish hard things in life because it makes a lot of the things easier. Nobody's more committed than Scott Redler here. And I'm impressed. I'm impressed every time you tweet that out. I'm looking at that thing. I'm like, wow, it's very impressive. But I'm also impressed with your trading, Scott. You've been in this market for a long time. You've made a lot of good calls here. How are you approaching this market? This is kind of a different market in 2024. We've had a little bit of separation. AI has kind of led the way, but we've also had, you know, the IWM bouncing back the last few days here too. Is this, you know, an everything rally here? Do we just kind of close our eyes and just buy here? What are your thoughts on the overall market? Well, you never close your eyes and just buy. And all stocks definitely okay. aren't created equal, which I know you never do. You know, but you're trying to teach and show other people that they shouldn't do that either. You know, I listened to your guys' conversation about COVID and, you know, and the financial crisis and how, you know, over time, historically, the bull market wins and how do you, you could be right and approach things wrong. You could have a thesis, but until the market confirms it, you know, you might not be able to stay with it. Um, so, that, you know, that's your time frame, right? Long term, you have a 401k, you have a 529, you put monthly flows in every single month, you're going to win over time. I learned that through the financial crisis. That's how my wife's account was built from 2007 through eight. By 2012, we were at highs. So during the pandemic, when everyone's like, oh my God, the world's going to shut down. I want to take all my money out of the market. I'm like, yeah, you might do that, but then you're never going to get back in waiting for a dip and PS. You know, we've had a V bottom and then everybody that waited for that long term were out of it. So long term, you always put your monthly flows in. Short term, we have to have our rules. And to me, when you're above the 821 day moving average, we've mentioned it so many times on the show. You try and be long. You try and be in a portfolio approach. You try and massage a tier system through, um, you know, through the days. And as far as like NVIDIA is con con concerned, it's almost like you, what you just said, too. It's like, you know, when are you right? How many times have you tried? You know how many times? NVIDIA knocked on the door of 500 and 505 in that seven-month uh, channel. A lot. They, they put up the chart of, of NVIDIA. You know, I've, I've put it up so many different times. And, um, you know, there was a lot of times that I did it and, and, and I was wrong. You know, like put the line there. How many times? First, you can even go further back. You can go back to September, the first time I got there. You know, and uh, here, I, I'll even show you. Well, I don't need to show you mine. Yours. <laughs> if you show me yours, I'll show you mine. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> You know, you know how many times it, it happened and how many times I actually lost, even the last few times, like, you know, November 20th, I tried it and I, I lost. I tried it again on December 19th, I tried and I lost. And one of the things I need to continue to keep teaching my traders, my community is the stock doesn't remember the last time you did it. Maybe it needed seven months of consolidation, not six. So finally, you know, when you came into the week of January 5th, we were above the eight day, above the 21 day. Market didn't know which way we were going to go, right? We were going to continue to sell off because the first week was softer with leaders lead. And then finally, boom, got above 505, <laughs> hit 553, the first measured move of, of the top end of the channel. And then now we're you know into the 600 area where the 610, 620 is the next range. But if you w said, I'm not going back to NVIDIA, it, owes, it owns me. You know, or I can't do that again. You know, you had the footsteps, same way like a quarterback gets sacked a few times and then all of a sudden he's not a good quarterback because he hears footsteps. You know, you got to get up, you got to get going. You got to take care of your business. And I think at T3 Live, we did pretty good. I was in the stock. I was in options, played it pretty well to about 553. And then I kind of nickeled and dimed the, the second half of the move. And unfortunately, I could have made more money. But as a trader, you can't take out the whole move. You take out a chunk. You know, you could always, you know, add to your PL monthly and quarterly. And now we'll see. Yesterday, you know, we put a little bit of like a, you know, a little not like a doji rest day. Yesterday, the thesis was, you know, trim some tech into strength. 
because we were up big after three to four multiple days. And, you know, this way you could stay with some positions. And now if, if NVIDIA could hold just, say, 590-ish, which is yesterday's low, which is still very elevated, and hold higher, chances are 603 is not going to be the high of the week. Boom. Yeah. And Scott, we, we've got a pretty busy week this week in terms of earnings. Are you planning on playing any of the companies reporting this week, whether that's Netflix or Tesla? You know, I love to trade options into earnings or I trade after the print. Um, Ooh, my type of guy. <laughs> you know, I, I just I have like a little like it's, you know, sometimes you have um, a disconnect in your head. And uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what the street wants for Netflix. You know, if you punch up Netflix, you can do the chart or here. Actually, I could even share my chart real quickly. Present. Let's yeah, go ahead. Share, uh, share screen, uh, Netflix. You know, you can do this two ways for Netflix. Like if you see here on the chart, you know, you have 500 and you have 503. So this is also developed a channel. Last time you had, um, you know, you had earnings. No one was expecting anything. It closed on the lows. You gapped up. You could have played it post earnings versus that pro earnings gap. So there's three different ways to play stocks into earnings. One. One thing you never do is take it into earnings long or short if you're an active trader because if you're wrong, you could blow up your account, you could blow up your month. One thing you can do is take options because risk is premium paid or wait to get a gap pivot and trade versus it for a new sequence. So anyway, um, that's that's the way you can go about it. Or you can trade it after. So um, going into Netflix tonight, okay, yeah, stock hasn't been above 500 or 503. It's now been in a consolidation for almost a month, which isn't bad. It didn't participate last week, so it's not really priced for perfection. If you wanted to take an option strategy long, you could probably easily do like a 505 by 525 call spread. So at least your risk is premium paid. I would think, you know, um, that would be like, you know, cost you four to make, you know, nine or something like that, depending on how you do it. Or you wait for the print, and if it gets above and stays above 500, 503 after hours and you're fast, you know, you could play for an extra move. I just don't know exactly. If they're looking for net ads on their subs, I know in the last two years, mostly everyone put on as many subscriptions as possible, you know, from the pandemic between Netflix and Amazon Prime and Apple TV and Disney Plus. I would feel that in the last year, you know, people are probably consolidating those and getting rid of someone. I know that they stopped the whole password sharing scenario. So that was, you know, that was a big plus last quarter. I don't know if it's going to be this quarter. So to me, uh, you know, although it's a decent setup, I'm probably not going to take options into it just because, you know, I don't need to burn money to be involved. I could trade it after or I could approach it the day after like you could have done here. So um, to me, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be at my desk. And if you can get above and stay above, you know, maybe I'll play it or I'll just wait to tomorrow and see what kind of gap we have. And as far as Tesla, Tesla has been horrendous. Um, everyone knows that, <laughs> you know, it's like every few years you have a different stock du jour in Tesla. Um, a year ago in May was awesome, you know, back here. This is when, you know, we had a great second quarter with Tesla, you know, the, from, from this active sequence above the 821 day, uh, you know, when Tesla's moving, it's awesome. And then recently, you know, it's just been technically, you know, it just hasn't been more active well, whether it's margins, you know, which they've had a lower prices, whether it's <laughs> them <laughs> freezing in the cold weather and proving that some EVs need some work because when it's super duper cold, they, you know, you don't want to be stranded on the side of the road. But anyway, if you remember this candle, I think we spoke about this the last time we were on. December 28th was the Red Rover reversal bearish day. And since then, it's still headed lower. So at this point, though, the only thing you positive you could say is that it's all beat up going into earnings. Yeah, <laughs> that's that what they to say. Before we let you go, Scott, I just want to talk to you about your rules and your setups for Bitcoin here. 
I mean, big run up into the event. Everyone in the ETFs bought all the Bitcoin that day. Now we're off $10,000 from it. It's got to be down below some of your averages here. You're looking for some kind of consolidation or is the story over in Bitcoin? I think the story is far from over. If you look here, you know, every day I post 30, 40 charts and every day, you know, I give a play-by-play, kind of like a football announcer. And I have had for 25 years, I've had different types of rules on how to adjust if you're active. Do I think long-term Bitcoin is going to be here to stay? I do. I think if you had to accumulate two things, Bitcoin and Ethereum every month in an asset allocation model, do that. If you trade actively for a living, you need your rules. You need to know what a red dog reversal is. You need to know whether or not a momentum name is above the eight day or 21 day. You need to know whether it stays below. These are all things you have to do if you adjust a trader for a living. So if you look here at Bitcoin, you know, I posted the chart step by step into an event. Usually they try and sell it. Sometimes they do, sometimes they can't. This is what it did into the event. You did a red dog reversal sell at 47.9. Some people are like, it's going to 55,000. Well, if it was going to go to 55,000, it would have to stay above 47.9. It didn't. That was one spot to adjust if you had too many, too many Bitcoin actively. Then it broke the eight day. Momentum names are special. And as an active trader, you can be long it. If it's above the eight day, it broke it at 45.5. With the bearish, you know, igniting downward candle through the 21 days. So right there, that was another signal to reduce actively. Then it built a bear flag below the eight day, getting rejected there. And it continued its downtrend. Um, I'm going to look at 37.5 to 35.6. This would be an area now would be around the 200 day. I think for an intermediate swing, if, if you if you could, you know, kind of time things and not get paid on that. Like I have a Coinbase account, I'll probably buy it because I might not be right, but that's a spot because I sold into there. Maybe I'll buy some. Maybe I'll buy some options in my, you know, my active account at T3 where I'll say, you know, this is a good spot to maybe go out a month. And um, this would be a, an area of interest, right? There are areas of interest. And if that area of interest doesn't hold, then there's another area of interest. But for now, the market told you that it wasn't going to 55,000 once all the ETFs were created. It was, a, it was a noisy trade. And now you'll see what happens into this 35.5, 37.5 area. So at least you, you kind of have things mapped out. So when it gets there and everyone's super duper negative, you could have a, you know, you don't have to have an opinion on the negativity, but where it's actually at to see if there's an opportunity. Very consistent with the way you played the NVIDIA, right? You're, you're doing the exact thing. You tried to break out, it didn't work. You tried to break out, it didn't work. Here, a little bit different. You're trying to buy on weakness. It doesn't work. You don't get killed. You don't add to a losing position. You reload. That's great. Great, great uh, market mechanics coming from Scott. Red Dog Redler, CSO of T3 Live and T3 Trading Group. Really appreciate you uh, joining us. Feel better there. I still got to get you in the pool. Work on your stroke for the uh, for those triathlons that you do. If I do a triathlon, I could do the swim part. I could do the bike part. But can you get a car and do the running part for the marathon? Because I don't think I can run 26 miles. You could just get a teammate. That can keep you okay. company and do it. It's called the relay. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot, Scott. We really appreciate you coming on. All right. Appreciate thanks for having Scott. me. Have a great day, guys. You as well. Uh, guys, we do have a link in the description if you want to go check out Scott's room. Uh, it's free for the rest of the week. So if you want to go check that out, see more of Scott's charts and trades, make sure to do that again in the description. I'll drop that link in the chat as well. Uh, all right. That guy just go- conquers life. He's yeah, like I mean, all over everything. Health, trading. That guy is awesome. 
The, I want to be ice... more like Scott Redler. I got to go I... just start jumping in the bay, ice bay. Don't, Dennis. Don't jump <laughs> in the <laughs> bay. Just like you're going to have a heart attack your first day. Yeah, I, don't I, do I, it. I, you got to build yourself you up to that. Barrel. I'll buy you a barrel. and you I was going to go jump be... in the ice bay. I'm going to no, dig a hole. Don't... I don't need a barrel. I got You know what I got out here? I got the whole thing. It's all ice. I'd have to drill down quite a ways to get to the water, though, now. It's going to be more than six inches to drill down through. So, anyways, lots of place to go. How Love you, Scott. On, how are we looking on Baba? Is Baba coming back up at all? Are we getting Yeah, it Bob? is. It is. I, 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 I Still, I'm not going to bite my tongue yet here. The Bobster back up right near the highs of the session. Uh, right back to that area at 70. This is the area of a couple highs here. Another daily high at 74. So uh, Jack probably put another dime in that payphone there and uh, is uh, buying some more. Let's see if that's how <laughs> He only gets one call a day. <laughs> we've oh, also got, uh, we, haven't, we haven't looked at either Apple or Microsoft this morning. No specific news in either stocks, but, uh, you know, biggest, biggest companies in the market. Apple now looks like getting some, I mean, a lot of love the past few days, up more than 6%. Uh, throughout the last week on Apple, uh, which again, I mean, I just think is significant uh, coming into this new release of the product. We've talked a lot about the headset the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Dennis is bullish. Uh, looks like the market is starting. I, I think I think the Vision Pro is just a game changing product. So I wish I I honestly thought about rebuying it in the one eighties, just because it was like eventually this is going to turn around here um the product again it's it is kind of bulky you know i wish it was smaller i wish it wasn't like had to wear these big goggles I on. Know, that's... I, I if you haven't watched the video go watch the video of the 10 minute it's pretty cool the stuff it can do i was like wow that's pretty cool it's a pretty cool product but okay so De dennis you said you were thinking about buying in the 80s didn't now we're at around we'll say one or 194 yeah. and a half but if this headset is as big as you expect it to be as much of a game changer. Wouldn't you still think uh, 194 is nothing? This thing's going to go up a lot because of it. I never, so my long-term portfolio, I never panic and chase. And if I okay. miss it, I miss it. I feel like this market always gives you a second chance. And the market finds ways. There'll be an earnings report. Or there'll be something that'll give you a second chance here. And it's not like this is trading 20 times earnings and it's like super cheap. So, I mean, I've argued, you know, Apple at 20, 29 turns earnings and not growing earnings is a significant issue. I do think this product could be a game changer. Again, the bulkiness of it makes me not love it as much as if it was like a pair of glasses. I wish it was just, boom, Vision Pro. Now I'm trading here, just using my hands. I don't need a PC. I don't need anything. I'm just manipulating apps. I'm trading here, trading here. I could see where it's going. It's not there yet, though. We're not there yet. But I could see where it's going. So I can see lots of potential for this product. I can see like putting on your Apple Vision Pro and being in the stadium, Joel. You know, you're I in know. the stadium. I know. You're not going to have to fly across, you know, to go to the finals. You can get a ticket right here with your Apple Vision I know. Pro. I know. We'll put you in the stadium. It's going to be like way cheaper, but they could sell tickets to stay. So many different ways they could go. I should work for Apple. There's so Is many ways they could go with this product. Is it waterproof? I don't think you'll be able to swim with it on, Joel, if that's what you're asking. You know what? They'll do that too, Joel. Let's yeah. go swim with the sharks. You know, you want to go do some fun things. It's perfectly safe. We'll take you out here. Great white sharks all around you. You're in there and you're swimming. There's so many cool things you could do with this. There's a lot you of potential, what? folks. Vision Pro, this is maybe this is the first run. By the time they get to the third or fourth run of this thing, it's not going to be less bulky. 
It's going to do so many more things. It's going to be a game changer in the long run. Dana bought me these goggles that, um, you know, you're supposed to like, they give you workouts and like analyze your stroke and everything. And really, I, I, I couldn't figure it out. And it gave me a headache. And I'm just like, you know, I'm scared of the headache too. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, and you got to you look in the side and everything. And I'm just like, you know, and when I go to the pool, not only do I like to, you know, to do my swim, I like to talk to people. I like to help them with their stroke. I like to give their lifeguards a hard time. I don't like need these bulky things on it, but uh, let's uh, We got a couple minutes here left. We didn't get to all of our earnings stocks. Uh, GE. Should we talk about GE? Does it bring go to any to earnings stocks? Sure. GE. Let's do GE. Yeah, we only mentioned three. You had you had three M. You had uh, GE Raytheon, or I guess it's called RTX. Now, uh, this morning, were your biggest uh, Procter Gamble as well. Okay. Joel, well, let's do GE. Joel wants to do GE. I'll do General Electric with you too. Okay. Woo. We're bouncing. Wow. That thing got down to how low? Who printed that down at one eighteen? Is that right? Yes. Who hits GE down to 118? The stock's been a you know relentless uptrend here. It feels like for the last two years. Have I hit that down that much? Aaron, what's this report look like? I'm pulling it up right now in Benzinga Pro. I mean, GE, we were talking about it at the top of the show. I guess starting the show, how we're ending the show, talking about these, you know, I guess older companies that may not have uh, an AI play. Let's see. Uh, GE sees Q1 adjusted EPS of 60 to 65 cents for 72 cent estimates. Uh, revenue came in at 19.4 billion beats by 1.85 billion. So that's a pretty significant beat for huh. GE, almost 2 billion, almost 10% there. Uh, EPS, non-gap EPS beat. So either way, the numbers look good. Let's see if they, uh, oh, stocks declines from six years high on disappointing guidance. So I guess similar to 3M where the numbers themselves look good on the top line, uh, but then, you know, some some disappointing or not amazing guidance that is then going to put some pressure on the stock. I, I think the low of the day is safely in on this one here, Joel. <laughs> it's being down at 118, 119. Pre-market traders have bought the dip here already. It's a love stock. The guidance was light. Trade's over here, folks. It was the dip, you know, when it's down 12 bucks. I don't think there's a trade down here. here. It kind of feels like where it should be now. That was just wow. complete overshoot this morning. Just hit with your dailies, too. I don't know if you had a chance in that kind of price action at 7 this morning, but uh, pre-market low comes in at 118, <coughs> and uh, you had one daily low way, way over here. Holy mackerel, this is worth a, uh, a, a line, an arrow up here. Look at this daily low right here. That comes in at 118.17. Another pair of lows just above that, at one, even at 118.50. Uh, but now trading down 293. That's a 10 buck rally. I, got, I mean, if you get back up to, yes, I call 130 a good number on the upside. That's another two bucks away. That was also the bottom of yesterday's range at 130.26, closing price. Closing high, not all time high, not a not even like a ten year high, but a five year high at one thirty one twenty three. I just look at it, this chart, and then if I was holding Netflix into the report, 
not quite, you know, a big move. So when you have these big moves into the report, you really need to blow it away and say things right. So uh, we'll see what happens with uh, with that. A lot of other news with Netflix coming out today as well. And then yeah. so just quickly running through some of these other reports, there was so many UAL beat last night. Kind oh, of a predictable beat. The airlines have been killing it always. Seems like the airlines just continue to kill it, but then they don't get rewarded and, and the rips get sold. So um, I'm not sure it holds just because it seems like it's a thing to sell the airline rips. Um, Johnson Johnson's just doing nothing here. Procter Gamble up four. PG big pop. What's the earnings look report look like on that one, Aaron? So PG uh, was a company, at this CNBC reported at least, that inflation was actually helping them. Basically, they're able to make a lot more money. Through. Yeah, with inflation. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> well, they reiterated a $9 billion dividend payout in 2024, which that'll help. Non or, uh, EPS comes in at 184 versus 170 estimate sales at $21.4 billion versus $21.4 billion estimate. A very, very, very slight miss on sales. Slight EPS beat, uh, and then again the dividend as well as yeah what they what they talked about with inflation basically saying that they can pass that off to the consumers yeah um, but yeah stock doing well this morning up four bucks and it, it is nine oh two but before we this wrap, is not a stock you chase folks up four dollars but that's a big move for PG the earnings report was fine all kinds of resistance up here if I was long and I'd sell it. I, I got the uh, multiple star here for you, Dennis, at uh, just above here at the 152 and a half level. Uh, two highs, 152.53, 152.61. Traded 155,000 shares so far. But if you think about the paper at 148, 149, 150, 151, 151 and a half, or 152, let's see if this thing can even open above 152. All right, well, it is 9.03 a.m. Eastern time, about 27 minutes till the open. Joel, who do we got coming on tomorrow? Oh, just as you were saying that, I was going to my calendar here. and Well, here, uh, while you're doing that, I got I got a trivia question, but I don't really know the answer, so I'm not going to say it's a trivia question, but I want to research okay. it. Talking about GE, you mentioned we're not even close to all-time highs. That was in 2000, 2001, $350 a share. I don't know if that's split-adjusted. What are there any other multi-billion dollar corporations oh, yeah. that have never gotten back to their 01 highs? Oh, so yeah. We so could be many. here for a half hour. Cisco, Intel, who else you want? So basically all those like older technology companies that it were It was the Four Horsemen back in 20 in 2001. They called them the Four Horsemen. And it was Cisco and Intel who was the others in the four? Dell, I think, was in there. I think Dell was one of the four horsemen. Google it. Who are the four horsemen? Who is the fourth one? Is it Microsoft? Four horsemen. Four uh, horsemen. Tech. We didn't have the Magnificent Seven. We had the four horsemen stocks. Ooh, who were they? Microsoft, okay. Intel, Cisco, and Dell. So I did get them all. Intel never got back to the highs. Cisco never got back to the highs. Dell went off the board and killed you because they went way down I and then know, they took it I over know. at the low prices. So you got murdered on Dell. Microsoft was well, the not... only one. It took 15 years, but it finally did get back to those highs. So shows when you pay 85 times earnings for something, you're asking yourself for a lot of trouble. Uh, the financials, uh, Citigroup, uh, AIG, Bank of America. I mean, right there. I mean, there, there's uh, there's some financials that came in there too. None of those uh, AIGs, like all time highs, like two thousand dollars a share here after the financial crisis, Aaron. 
half the financial stocks never even got close back to those. Well, I know, the I know. Ones that so did were the ones that didn't dilute themselves. So I knew that from 2007, still a lot of these stocks have never gotten back to their highest Bank of America. But from 2000, that's surprising to me. I guess not on some of the older tech stocks like Dell, Intel, because people just realized you know, that the technology was going in a different way and Apple, Microsoft, whatever. Um, but it is surprising, I guess, that so many of those companies, when I mean, you look at how many different times, whether it was pre-COVID, or in 2015 that we've been hitting new all-time highs in the stock market. They haven't even been able to get close to back to their 01 uh, levels. I mean, again, that's interesting, but I just, I, I was, obviously wasn't active in the markets when I was, uh, you know, in kindergarten. So really, Why not? yeah, yeah. I was, I bet you, were no, you one of those kids that uh, in high school that could uh, tax with their phone in the pocket? Yes. Were you, yes. How'd you know? Yeah. How'd you know that? That is talent there. That is yeah. absolute talent. Well, okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk more options tomorrow with us. CC Legator. Woo! Awesome. Love the options talk. Uh, great show, guys. Today again this afternoon, you'll have Netflix tomorrow afternoon. Big day with Tesla reporting. So make sure to come back, tune into Benzinga's pre market prep. Till then, make sure to smash the like, subscribe to the channel, and stay green.